Hey guys, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Welcome to Papercut. This week we'll be talking about Moby Dick by Herman Melville. Now, this is one of those books that Eugene's read that I haven't. So, Eugene, you have the floor. One of the few books, may I add. Like, one of the maybe one or two books. Yeah, rub in my face, yeah. yeah. That's fine, when I can, right? So, <laughs> oh man, Moby Dick. What can I say? Like, literal classic, if you say, you know, when people go, oh, I'm an English literature major, and that's one of the few, one, one of the first books that you go, oh, have you read that one? You know? Or when people go, I read, and they're like, oh yeah, I've read this book, Moby Dick. Do you know what the, you know what the first time I heard about Moby Dick? Like, how I actually heard about it? Wait, okay, how did that work? So, I was actually playing Pictionary. Okay, here we go. Okay. So there's a, so I was playing Pictionary online, and the clue was Moby Dick. <laughs> so one of my friends, <laughs> he drew, <laughs> he oh, drew a whale. Okay. With a massive... Ah! <laughs> right. And I didn't get it, obviously. Oh. Because I didn't know what Moby Dick was. And my other friend saw the clue and he was like, yeah, usually that makes sense. And I'm like, what the f... And then after that, I'm like, wait, what the hell is Moby Dick? And that's when it sparked my interest. I see. Okay, I mean, you've read the book, right? But like, yeah. okay, here, I'm just, I've never read the book. So I'm going to tell you what I think it's about. And just tell me if I'm right or wrong, okay? So all I know about Moby Dick is this guy, Captain Ahab, tries to hunt down a giant whale. That's it. You'll be right for about half the book. That's a big chunk of the book, but go on. Yeah, so basically, yeah, the book is about that. It's about, in a nutshell, a guy tries to hunt down a whale that he, for some reason, really, really hates. Right. Actually, no, it's not for some reason. He ate, like, he, he lost a limb to it because um, on a whaling incident beforehand. Right. But that actually is just half the book right so the other half mm-hmm. is actually just a bunch of like filler i'd say so filler stuff uh stuff like days where the sailors would just sit down and there's nothing happening and the narrator is going through thoughts in their heads and there's also a lot of whale knowledge whale knowledge yep just a lot of whale knowledge like there is like an entire section in the middle where he had three entire chapters. He even called them books. He called them like book one, book two, book three, and they're all about whales. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can learn a lot about whales, and, which is quite interesting at, at first. At first. At first. And afterwards, oh God, just get on with that, <laughs> Herman. Actually, yeah. when was this book written? It was like, it was like. Uh, 1820 I think it was like around the start of 1820 right because I think back in like the real old days of yeah. like ancient Rome when people referred to books they actually referred to, to what we would call a chapter today so like, that's why I was like oh that's no the this book thing. is not that ancient okay this book's not that ancient I know it's not that ancient but I was like maybe he's referring to those kinds of books <laughs> now but I probably don't think so one can speculate right but yeah that's one that's one impression out of the book which is the plot is secondary like much like um dorian gray a, f- a few episodes ago yeah so we were saying like dorian gray the plot is secondary a lot of it is just ideas which is also the case for moby dick but the key difference here is that at least oscar wilde had a decency to make his text readable <laughs> oh gosh like herman melville He's flexing. Like, he's not even flexing. He's working out. And, like, it's a full <laughs> workout in this book. 
there's like a lot of words in there that if you actually spend time looking up each of them you would like I wouldn't I wouldn't have finished the book now oh gosh so I'll just read like an extract just to just to demonstrate my point right okay unlike the dance these orientals do not demand the ubiquitous homage of lowered topsails from the endless procession of ships before the wind which for centuries past, by night and by day, have passed between the islands of Sumatra and Java, freighted with the costliest cargoes of the East. But when they freely wave a ceremonial like this, they do by no means renounce their claim to more solid tribute. Sounds elegant, right? But do you know what's going on in my head? I, nothing, well, for me, nothing. I what don't... the actual hell am I reading? Cause what am I reading? And that is that, is that for, like, actually... Well, a lot of the book, but it's not as much as I make it sound like to me. But it's still, you can see how at times it's quite a large chunk to just get through, to just like plow through. Oh gosh, how so, would you even? I swear you can just, you can just make that like two, uh, like two sentences, you know? You can. That's the thing. But the good thing about Moby Dick is like, because it's one of the first books I've read, uh-huh. it actually smoothened it out for me for the other ones because. When I read them and I go, oh my god, they're so hard to read. I went, at least it's not Moby Dick. Because holy crap, that one's hard. Oh, that's unbearably. Oh, that's just not very nice. I'm, I, might, I must say. Is he, is he, this is, he's English, right, Herman? Uh, American. Oh. <laughs> no, that's the thing with American literature, don't you think? I feel like, I feel like a, a rap for American literature, like, not now, but maybe around like 100, 200 years ago, that period of time, they're still kind of like developing their style. And there's this weird, there's this weird period where it's English, but it's like, what what kind of, like, I don't understand this, but you can still understand the words. Right. I mean, I know we have some, for some reason, we have some American viewers, but have you ever seen the SATs? No. For English? It's so unnecessary. So we did GCSEs, right? All we did was write, an, I don't know about you, but all I did was write an essay or two and talk about a few certain points. Whereas with the SATs, it's multiple choice of like word filling. And it's not, it's not like a bad exercise per se, but it's just you have like five different answers, A, B, C, D, E, and everything is technically not wrong. It's just there's one that's the best fit. Oh. So for example, I remember this one very vividly. Um, you must remember the blank of the law for it can change you or something like that. And you're meant to fill in the blank. So is it A, intricacies of the law, B, details of the law, C, rules of the law, D, uh, points of the law, or D, regulations of the law? And from an English standpoint, technically speaking, it's not wrong. None of them are wrong per se. But then, of course, the correct answer is like intricacies of the law. And I think the biggest tell is if you look at an American manual for um, for anything, instructions manual, or you look at an English person's instruction manuals, you'll see that the American one is basically Order of the Phoenix, whilst the other one is like, you know, <laughs> two pages. Americans, right? Americans. No offense, Americans. I love you guys. So, yeah. Actually... When the book first came out, it wasn't really received that well. Yeah. Because uh, in... Well, I think back then... I did a little bit of research on this. So back then, the American literature community was basically kissing the 
British one's ass. Mm-hmm. So the British one didn't like this one because I think apparently like it's got a lot of some revolutionary themes in it. It feels like people just didn't really give this book a chance until the First World War, like after that period of time. That's when the book actually got steam. Maybe people were bored because you know prohibition and all that. <laughs> might as well read a book. Yeah, might as well read a book, right? <laughs> Which on. is why we have this podcast because oh, we yeah. also have um, kind of prohibition. Oh my god, lockdowns changed me. But go on. Anyway, yeah. So to sum up, um, this book is like thirty percent nonfiction. I'd say. Okay. But it's still interesting to read. It's still nice to read. The ending makes it worth it, and you will learn a lot about boats and whales after this. And just you just have a lot of big words in your arsenal. So like, even if you just remember one percent of the words that you learn, you still sounds really educated because there's so many words in there. Holy crap! <laughs> the wind sail. <laughs> the wind sails. Jeez. But like, there's some. There's actually quite a lot of themes in this book that um, if you're really interested you can go to Spark Notes but there are a few in here I want to pick out because those ones were quite impactful to me so the main theme to the book to me is the sort of attitude towards nature so to sum up in one same simple question when life gives you lemons what do you do? Oof Right yeah. Okay There are multiple different uh, attitudes to it right? Yeah So Actually, in this book, uh, we all know the captain Ahab's. His attitude towards it is, no, 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 no. Like I, I gonna, I gotta have to beat you. Like there's no way you can, you can, you can try on me. Like I, I am in control of my own life. Mm-hmm. That kind, that kind of attitude. But then, like on his quest throughout the book, on his quest to find Moby Dick, he meets nine other ships, oh. and those are. It's a very interesting concept to me because this is. Basically, meeting himself in parallel lives. And some of those captains, they present a different attitude to life. So they have like a completely different way of thinking than they had. But they're still captains, right? So it's worked for them. Mm. And uh, yeah, so one of them is called okay. So Samuel Andrewby. So that's one of the ships that that like uh, Ahab met. And the captain, like I did not make this up. The captain's called Boomer. Okay. Okay. And Boomer. Okay, Boomer. And Bo- exactly. And Boomer was portrayed as a guy who he he suffered the same fate as Ahab. Yeah. Right. So he lost his hand. He lost an arm to to Moby Dick. Right. But when Ahab asked him, "Oh, why aren't you like? Why aren't you doing what I'm doing?" Basically, he just goes, "There's just some things that you need to let go." Like your arm. <laughs> exactly like your arm. Like your arm. So Ahab did the original OK Boomer. <laughs> that was way before it was cool. But it, that's interesting because those are two very similar stories, but they have two completely different outlooks. And you can you can see from you can see from the book how different the atmosphere is on the two different ships as well. I think. This is what they call a foil in literature. So, like, I mean, I think in especially in superhero stories, you always hear like, for example, someone who can run really fast is, is being a superhero, and it turns out there's another person who can run very fast, but who was actually a supervillain or something like that. And we call that. I think it's called a foil, and I think that's what you're describing here. Like, someone basically who basically suffered the same consequences, but ultimately took different, very different, polar opposite directions in how they pursued their lives 
Oh yeah, like Das Plagiarius the Wise. Plagiarius the Wise. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. Yeah, so there is also like another ship that Ahab meets, and this one is kind of like a foreshadowing one, right? So mm. it's called the Rachel, and his captain lost his son because of his obsession with mm. the same whale. So this one is like a. This one kind of struck to me because it's a very foreshadowing mechanic. Like I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's like literature one or one. There's how you foreshadow, but it still stuck to me because it's like it's like a warning to Ahab, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of like you're in control of your own life. Now, now there's a warning to you. Okay, if you keep going down this path, there's what will happen. Mm-hmm. Do you keep do like will you keep? on going down like the same attitude that you have so like you know all those like greek stories like oedipus comes to mind oh yeah that's the first one i thought of they really right. was yeah it's like oh your son's gonna kill you all right right gonna banish my entire my son oh he's coming back to actually kill me because i did the exact thing to stop him from doing exactly it, right? yeah. yeah i think that's like sort of the worst part of tragedies like it's something i think it makes it more tragic because you know this person made every precaution to prevent this, but and all his actions ended up making it happen. Yeah. And Oedipus, Oedipus Rex is one of them. Oedipus like, and like basically all of Shakespeare's works. Basically, I think that's why it's a tragedy, right? True, true, true. I think with this one, like the one you've mentioned, like you know, it's evidently it's turned into obsession, and so it's very much foreshadowing. He has a mirror in front of him saying, "This is what happens when you go down this path." And like you said, like, what do you do then? Because right now you have two schools of thought to think about. You can either not do it and have it stop and the story ends there. Yeah. Or you can do it and if you succeed, great. And if you don't succeed, at least you die trying, right? Yeah. So those are like two polar opposites. Uh, Boomer and um, the, the, captain. The, the captain of the racial. Yeah. So those two are like... Yeah, those two are like uh, the projection of how his life would turn out. Right. And if you want to know how it did turn out, then read the book. <laughs> but actually is, is the ending like known to everyone like do you know the ending to this I want to say he kills the whale and he, he dies the whale as well so I actually don't know the ending to this one oh, okay I mean if you want to share it go for it I don't think I'll be oh no it's more it's more like I want to see whether the read like the people who are listening will know it because I because I knew like even with like all the cultural references there mm. are to this book I still had no idea what the ending is until I actually read it you know what's the funny thing like people know off books but they don't actually know how it ends so like Frankenstein do you know how that ends actually no Dracula do you know how that ends no um, 1984 do you know how that ends yes actually, oh okay, yeah. okay, okay that one's a bit more famous um, like Romeo and Juliet I think I think people generally know how it ends I mean Romeo and Juliet technically the entire plot is written in the first like I- the first page Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, how okay Macbeth. Yeah. Anyway, we're going off track. So there's another. There's also like an, another theme in there as well. I found kind of quite interesting, and that's like cultural clashes, and like mm-hmm. attitude towards other culture. So, at the very beginning of the book, like I'm not spoiling anything here because there's like two chapters in. Um, our main character meets a cannibal, cannibalistic brute. Right. He's called. Um, Queekeg, like, yeah, Queekeg. I'm gonna say Queekeg. I know I never know how he's actually pronounced, and he has to share a room with him. Mm-hmm. Like, would you? With a cannibal? Yeah. You know what? Why not? 
I mean, I, I know how to... De- depends if they're bigger than me. And if they're... He's massive. He's massive, right? He's, he's, he's fresh off the tribe. Wow. And you're sharing a room with him. Was, was his tribe famous for eating the dead or eating people alive and killing them? Actually, I'm not sure. I think, I think in the book it just said, like, cannibal. Okay. Because I know some cultures, they eat their dead. Mm. And it's, for all intents and purposes, quite efficient. <laughs> But no, I think if they hunted down people now, I I would ask to not do that. Yeah, right. And that is the initial reaction that our main character had. But actually, as the book went, well, not as the book went on, really, as the chapter went on, like two or three chapters later, they were best friends. Oh. And that's because um, that's because he adapted the idea that, like, if he's from his culture, it doesn't mean he's not a unreasonable person. So there's this quote in the book that sums up the thought pretty well and it says it's better to sleep with a sober cannibal than a drunk christian i feel i've heard that before actually ah that's i didn't know it was from moby dick that's quite cool yeah so if you think about because most people will be like oh no 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 like of course drunk christian because like, at least you know like they won't but like if you think about it right so what this is basically saying i feel is is like okay he's from like a less maybe civilized culture than you are but he has a will to learn and adapt. So he knows what's off limits in this culture versus um, someone who knows what's off limits, but is going to do it anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, he may not agree with, like he may think, oh, yeah, eating people is fine, but he still won't do it in this culture because he knows it's not cool. When in Rome, right? Sorry? When in Rome, do as the Romans yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so this one's like an interesting concept to me. It makes sense. Like, it, yeah, it makes sense. Although you won't like most people at first, they'd be like, "Oh no, I, I, I don't want to be friends with a cannibal." You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is like the first book I've come across. Okay, it's definitely not the first book I've come across that sort of brings up the idea of the civilized cannibal. Because I know, like, um, I don't know if this is the first book, but I know in Game of Thrones, for example, there's a tribe of people that's not portrayed in the show very well. Well. But there's a tribe of people who you know are cannibals, but actually in the book turn up to be one of the more civilized tribes. And you're like, okay, that was unexpected. And then like if you play ever play Fallout New Vegas, oh yeah, yeah, you'll find that the yeah. cannibals are the most um, well, they're the most they're civilized. most elegant, elegant, the most elegant. That's the right, best. Yeah. That's the, eloquent and elegant. I think that's a good word for it. Yeah, exactly. True, true, true. So it's like I guess people are more than what. No, a lab- more than a label. Never right? judge someone by what they eat. All right, <laughs> you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Right, oh I guess. God, does that make? I mean, that makes him more human than we are. Oh God, don't say. <laughs> but yeah, like um, the book also goes on to say, like later. So, he thinks, like to paraphrase, like make, what makes you also high and mighty, like when you're born in, like a civilized country, like just because you're born in a civilized society. And you don't do some of the things that people from uncivilized societies do. It doesn't mean that you're morally better, if that makes sense. Not that it makes complete sense. Right. Yeah. So he's like, uh, like, what makes you think that God will be easier on you than will, than he will be on a cannibal? Ooh, that's an interesting thought, actually. Like, did, does it was? I mean, I don't know. I didn't read the book, but was the cannibal religious? Oh no, this was a, this was like a paraphrase. Oh, so paraphrase. it is not referring to anyone in general. But he was saying like, he's saying in general, 
what makes you like a person in a civilized society think you'll have a morally higher ground in Judgment Day compared to like someone from a cannibalistic society? Okay, that's an interesting thought. Like, I guess we normally associate civilized society as being more intellectual and safer. So I guess from that point of view, you can argue that because you are safer, crime happens less around you. Therefore, you don't do like killing, which is seen as a sin, right? But 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 you have to remember, like, the whole notion of crime is a civilized concept. True, that is very true. So if like you're saying the same, like I completely agree with what you're saying, but you cannot apply the same logic to, like, a. Uh, uncivilized tribe because they have no clue well at least they have a lot less clue what crime is so by definition there'll be less crime just because it's not as much as well defined as it is here i guess also like you know we're taught from a very young age like killing is a sin you know things like yeah don't kill and all that but then you look around you and you're like oh shoot like everything around us was built from someone killing another person like war for example like that's all it, that's all war is right so i guess in that sense where do we draw the line like where do we start saying this is correct and this is wrong and honestly i don't know if there's a definitive answer to that one i feel like it's like a, it's like a rabbit hole cuz cuz morality is a very controversial subject like is it is it definitive is it relative mm. right and i feel like the best way I can put this is a spectrum, a color spectrum. Right. So red is definitely not blue. Okay. But is red like um, is it cyan? Is cyan kind of red? Cyan is blue. Okay, sorry. Is is cyan blue? Yeah. I'd right. Say okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's that kind of thing. But they they are still like two differently defined things. So if you, yeah, so it's like one of those things where if you go from one square to the next, it doesn't look like there's any change in color, but across the whole thing there's a big change, and I feel like that's kind of, that kind of links into here, with morality being, in my opinion, relative, but on a larger scale it appears to be definitive. Mm, okay, I think I see what you mean, and. I mean, it, this is not something that you can cover in, like, in a 30-minute podcast, oh, no, right? Not. I mean, we, we try our hardest, but... Um, I mean, I, I think I'll share a bit next time, but I have read... It's interesting, some of the experiments that have been performed on this, but anyway, I'll go on that later, but... Yeah. Um, I actually read somewhere about Moby Dick that, you know, Moby Dick was one of those first novels that popularised the exclamation mark. I actually did not... It may very well be, actually. I, I think it's, like, I've read a quite a while ago so i can't remember exactly how many exclamation marks there are and yeah the extract that i linked to him well the extract that i chose didn't really have any in it so i can't remember but i think i can see why i can see why because apparently before that it was just full stops if even like punctuation was just you know optional and nowadays it's just like what i thought exclamation marks were always around so apparently there was a time before that, and I I think I read that Moby Dick was one of the few ones that popularized it. Not too sure. I think there's one of those things we have to look deeper into. Yeah. There's a whole video on Vox about it. If you guys are interested. Oh really? Yeah yeah yeah. 
I know. I might have seen that one out. There's so many Vox videos that I just can't remember which one I've seen, which one I've not. Fair enough. Anyway, sidetrack, sidetrack. But yeah, um, those are basically like the two main themes in in the book that I feel well, it's quite worthy to address. So basically, it's like attitudes towards nature and attitudes towards other cultures, which is basically attitudes towards people. Okay. And yeah, there's also like a lot of like religious references in the book, so I don't go too deep into this, but like Jonah's well, that comes into mind. You know? So there's an entire sermon at the start where all the guy talks about is Jonah's well, and he talks about how Jonah tries to run away from his fate. Right. But at the end, so at the end, like he still has to do what God intends him to do. So yeah, biblical references is all over the book. If you want to learn the Bible, want to read about a whale, but you want to read about a whale more, then there's the book for you. Okay, here's my question to you. Like, I mean, for me, I'm not all about that. I'm more about the plot. I'm more about the characters. I'm not really into that fancy language. It's why, a controversial opinion, I really dislike Law of the Rings. So, with that in mind, would you recommend this book for me? No. All right. You know, the only reason I plow through this book... Go on. It's because that I can tell all the English majors that I've read it when they go, they haven't read it. <laughs> That's literally the only reason I went through this book. And it's also, I guess, I guess like it had such like a, because it keeps referencing itself. Right. In, not in popular culture and just everyday life, like, like we've all drank at Starbucks, right? At some point in our lives. Of course. Yeah. And that's already a reference to Moby Dick. Because it's named after it's named after the first mate of the of the ship. Starbuck. He's called yeah. He's called Starbuck, and that's where the name come from came from. Is that why the logo is a is a woman with the the oh, sort of that I, that mast? I think it's called that sort of head that you find at the uh, in ships. Is that why it's is that why it's the case? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think so. No, fair enough. <laughs> I think I think they were. I've, yeah, I think I read up on this, and they were this. They were like round table discussing what the name for the coffee shop should be and one of them was just like oh why don't we just call it starbuck after the first mate of the of, of like the moby dick ship right? that's so odd yeah i mean that's so odd i mean it works i guess yeah i mean i wouldn't associate starbucks with moby dick necessarily i'm that's that's amazing i didn't know that that's the thing right because i because i it's gone to that point where when people say Starbucks, they think coffee, not yeah. Moby Dick. But yeah, it's, it's just Consumer. quite interesting to me because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Like even Portal Two, you know, it's in Portal Two. Is it? It's referenced. Yeah, there is a. You play? Have you played through the game? Yeah, yeah. So you know, one of the test chambers where Glados goes. Well, this one's very important, and she speaks very quickly. Uh, oh, that's like a passage from the star of the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's also kind of why I want to read it because I was like, oh, it's referenced by Portal. <laughs> Must be good. But. Oh, I mean, it also goes back. To, I mean, there's another part in Portal that goes back to your point of like when life gives you lemons, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh my God. Cave Johnson. Cave Johnson. Spiritual animal. <laughs> okay, so to sum up, my enjoyment of this book is like a, like a U curve. So, like, you enjoy it a start because you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm reading this book. And like in the middle, you're like, oh no, I'm reading this I'm book. I'm reading this book. <laughs> At the end, you're like, oh yes, I'm finishing this book. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, okay. it's it's very overhyped 
to the point where I feel like the story has to be very well written to live up to the hype and honestly it's, it can't be like Lord of, even Lord of the Rings regarded as one of the I don't know best fantasies book out there which I personally don't agree with because I kind of fall asleep after yep. reading yeah so yeah really not worth reading if you're just in it for the plot because honestly I can tell you the plot after this podcast well after this session and uh, yeah it's not really that special um, although if you do want to get on my level of being able to trump English majors go read this book that's the only reason you should read this book <laughs> fair enough but yeah that's it tune in next time for our next episode we're now on Apple Podcasts Spotify Podcasts and Google Podcasts and of course always on Anchor guys thank you so much for your support as well we've heard so many good things from people and we love what we do and we hope you enjoy it too so until then this is Nick and this is Eugene peace out